But but, but for those of you at home, Mike is now yeah. waving his hands I, around in the air. I am I am literally <laughs> waving my hands in front of me as I pace around my office. Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Mike Kottmeyer is taking time out of his afternoon. He's been sitting at home all week, letting the thoughts stew, and they're spinning around, and he's getting ready to do some talks, especially at the Agile Conference. So there's a lot going on. Mike, what's happening inside your brain right now? Yeah, so so thanks for having me, first of all. I always love the opportunity to come and speak with you. I actually, you know, it's only Monday, so when you say I've been sitting around all week, you know, that's really not a whole lot well, of time. Well, <laughs> but they won't listen to it until the end of the oh, week. Oh, good so. point, good point, yeah. So anyway, so I've, I've basically blocked off the week. I'm, I'm at home, home all week, not traveling. I'm doing a few phone calls, but largely not participating in a lot of stuff. Watching um, World I'm, Cup? You don't know, no, tangentially paying attention to it. Like I didn't Mexico like beat Germany, the defending uh, champions or something like that. Yeah. That's the extent of what I know. So wow. there's been a yeah. Few so other anyway, so happened. so took the week off and going through the next rev of my kind of like core messaging around agile transformation. Uh, got uh, invited to actually speak at Agile 2018 out in San Diego, and. You know, we've learned a lot as we've been going through this the last couple of years. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to take some of the core learnings and some of how we're structuring the message and, and make sure that I'm presenting that in a really tight, concise way. So that's what I'm thinking about today. So how is it changing? I mean, it's basically the same thing, right? People are asking to switch from whatever they were doing before to Agile. Like what's yeah. different about it now than it was, say, four or five years ago? Well, well, so so it's it's not so much that the core messaging stuff has changed, right? That's all pretty much the same thing. So, you know, if you come to the talk, you're going to hear me talk about the three things. You're going to hear me talk about the four quadrants. You're going to talk about the ten circles. Um, there's elements of the executive's guide talk in there, but. The things that we're really learning about right now is how you actually orchestrate these transformations on the ground, like really like in detail, how you how you break down the backlog, what is in the backlog, how you commit to outcomes, how you get the organization to move. So that's one angle. The other angle is we're learning a ton about what are the skill sets and kind of the nature of the people necessary to be able to actually lead transformations on the ground. So can we but, start so, with that? With that sure. One? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that's how, great. Because that, I mean, I, there's been change at Leading Agile, as I'm sure a lot of the yeah. other companies too, but how has your understanding of what, what we need, like what kind of people we need to send in, how has that evolved? Yeah. So... So here's kind of the interesting challenge, right? So I'm going to try to try to do this without a whiteboard since it's a podcast, right? Maybe we have to do a video <laughs> podcast around this sometime. But but, but for those of you at home, Mike is now yeah. waving his hands I, around in the air. I am I am literally <laughs> waving my hands in front of me as I pace around my office. So you know me too well, Dave. So so the challenges, right? So so if you go back to these core things that I've been talking about forever, I just mentioned, you know, the three things and the four quadrants. You know, what we've largely identified is that agile transformation isn't about teaching people process. It's not about changing the culture. Those things are part of it. But what we've learned in Leading Agile is that, is that adopting Agile is fundamentally a business architecture activity. 
Okay. So yeah. whereas maybe two or three years ago, no, two or three years into starting Leading Agile, maybe seven, six or seven years ago, we were hiring a lot of people that were like really experts in Agile practices, right? So how do you do sprint planning? How do you do daily standups? How do you do story decomposition? How do you very do estimate, tactical do you do reviews, retrospectives, right? It was all very skills based. And there's still need for that, right? Because once teams are formed that, um, you, you know, you have to, you have to teach them how to operate. Um, you know, as Agile's progressed, you know, you need more um, expertise at the program and portfolio level. Okay, so that's a higher order of expertise that less people have skills in, but it's still absolutely essential in terms of building the operational model to be able to do Agile. Okay. So is this but like, it, is this like team coach to enterprise level coach? Well, the way that I would say, yeah. So maybe like, you know, like the difference between like scrum and safe, right? Where scrum, you know, you really learn team level practices, but when you do safe, you're learning how to manage release trains and be a release train engineer and, you know, how to build portfolio and do investment themes and things like that. Okay. Right? So, I mean, anybody who's paid attention to our stuff knows that we're not a safe shop per se, right. but there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap in terms of general direction, right? But kind of the okay. reference architecture of both models models are kind of the same, right? Yeah. But even still, even when you're dealing with scale, uh, you're still dealing with fundamentally with practices. Okay. Now there's a, there's a level of person that we are in the process of grooming, finding, bringing in, developing, right? All that kind of stuff that can not only do the practices, but they can orchestrate an engagement. Okay. And so again, anybody familiar with our stuff knows that we have this metaphor of expeditions moving through base camps. Expeditions moving through base camps is the primary unit of value of a transformation. So a base camp is something that typically takes um, a group of teams, expedition, about three to four months to get to, to do something like stabilize the system or to get smaller batches in the market or to begin to break dependencies. And those, those base camps, even, even those are really too far out to measure progress. It'd be like measuring a release or a product increment or something like that rather than measuring at the sprint level. So the sprint level analog and all of this stuff is what we call outcomes. And so we've been able to take the, the, um, the base camps and, and break them down into a series of discrete outcomes that have to happen over the period of that three to four months. And being able to take the 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 base camp right the goal of the base camp and break that into intermediate outcomes to align the organization you're transforming towards delivering those outcomes and then orchestrating you know the teams and the coaches to be able to do the necessary activities so like at the lowest activity level you're doing things like uh, you know, you're getting, you know, people identified that are going to be on the team and you're running them through workshops and you're teaching them how to do agile and all those stuff. But the, but the outcome is like, I need to have a team formed that can stabilize velocity. Okay. okay? And so just cause we train somebody in scrum or we make sure that they have role clarity or we teach them technique doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stabilize throughput. Yeah. Right. Or that they're going to, yeah, stabilize velocity. Or that the and organization's so, capable of letting them do that. 
Well, well, yeah, right. So, so herein lies the problem, right? So that gives me to like the next level up. Well, so we have to have people on accounts that can envision system-wide solutions, right? That can work with an organization to help them identify like what their business capabilities are, uh, what their what their technology architecture looks like relative to those business capabilities, where people within the organization are deployed. And so so developing or helping an organization develop an, a, a hypothesis around how it's going to form teams, how it's going to govern itself, what it's going to measure and control, right? Because it's, it's a really, it's an interesting black art. We've used all kinds of interesting things. I don't know if you were at our gathering the time where I brought those um, stereograms in. Yeah, those freaking stereograms. I hate those damn things. Yeah, where you like stare at I them. I can't until, like, see any of that. <laughs> it's hard, right? And so there's like an element like that. Like you have to be able to look at an organization. You have to look at its business architecture, its technology architecture, um, its organizational uh, like architecture where people are. And you got to like figure out how to start to tease out where there's opportunities for encapsulation. Um, if we want to use the words value streams, we could do that, right? It's not always value streams. Sometimes it's products. Um, sometimes it's just business capabilities. And so yeah. – so the, you know, so, so people that can, um, influence an organization and get them to see what might be possible in a future state. Okay. That's like a different skill. Well, can I ask so you a you question about this? this? Yeah, please, please. So it's just kind of walking down this path. I mean, to me, when you're talking about people that are going to lead change or whatever, there's some people that can walk into a room and kind of take the room. And there's yeah. some people that can't. Right. And I don't know if that's something – I'm not convinced you can teach people that. Maybe well, you can. I I, I'm not. But can, this, I don't know that you can teach it, right? But so, but where this goes, right, is that what we've started to figure out internally and, – and I don't think we've got it totally figured out yet. But there's like, there's like capability sets and then there's yeah. – and then there's roles that people play on the account. And, you know, so we've started thinking through like different levels of consultants within our enterprise. What do they need to what do they need to have? Yeah. And and so there's like a whole talk I submitted that actually hasn't gotten selected for the last two years. And um, maybe somebody in the Agile Alliance needs to like step up and select this talk because it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, just a plug for getting a talk selected next year. Right. Um <laughs> But one of the things we've talked about is that we've learned is that we had this thing we called hiring 1.0 and hiring 1.0 is we would look for, <clears throat> do you have the right background? Do you have yeah. the right skills? Do you have the right experiences? Do you have the right beliefs, right? I mean, do you believe in alignment with us? Are you going to have the right cultural aspects? You know, yeah. are you you're not going to be an asshole, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that was kind of what we would look for uh, at first. And then we started thinking through, well, um, okay, like what are we missing? Oh, community was part of that. Community was part of that initial thing, but beliefs weren't. And then so it was like it was background, skills, experience. Um, were you a good community player and were you not a jerk, right? So that was 1.0. And then 2.0 was like <clears throat> beliefs. And so like one of the things we started thinking about beliefs – <clears throat> we started having like personas of like people in the agile community. And, and if you think about it, right, we're, a lot of us are really different. A lot of us are really team focused. A lot of us are very people focused in this community. And we, in our consulting or our coaching reflects that value system. Yeah. And so you have small team people focused, you have enterprise people focused. I would suggest you have more small team business focused, and then you have small team or large team or enterprise 
um, uh, business focus, right? So enterprise business. And that tends to be where we're at, right? So if your default place isn't enterprise level systems with a really solid business focus, then you're probably not a great fit for us. And so we started with the 1.0 stuff and then we added the beliefs and behaviors. Yeah. And behaviors was kind of fascinating because we use a tool I may have mentioned um, with you before um, from a company out in uh, California called PeopleBest. And yeah. they have an instrument called PeopleDNA. And what that is, it's just like this multidimensional thing that really has helped us start to tease apart people that are going to be good or candidates for certain roles. And what you start to see is that it's not like how much you know, but it starts to become like how resilient you are. How easy do you get your feelings hurt? Um, if you get your feelings hurt, uh, what's your recovery time? Right. How much energy do you have? How much persistence do you have? And so we've been doing a ton of analysis and we were correlating like success behaviors, but we found out that like the success behaviors weren't um, always consistent. And there's like a balance. What we're learning now is there's a balance between like success behaviors, but also like critical failure modes, you know? And so it's so like what we've been trying to pull apart is, um, how do we get better predictors of people that are going to have the attributes necessary to do the kind of consulting that we do Yeah. earlier in the process? Right. Okay. It's fascinating, so, right? So yeah. can I can I go? I yeah. want to back up just a tiny bit. So back to the stereogram thing. Yeah, yeah. For somebody who's listening to this, who's looking for a gig, they're probably now thinking, okay, what are the new <laughs> skills do I that I need to pick yeah. up, or what do I need to learn? Yeah. Those stereogram things, I spend all day. I can't see that <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. And I think in the same way that some people can't take a room, I can't see stereograms. I'm assuming that there's some people that just don't have whatever it is that lets them yeah. see the thing that you're looking for. And I don't think that's bad. I just wanted to check in with you. It's just like, that's a different type yeah, of person, right? It's just different. Right. And so, and so, you know, as you start to think about this, right. So the, the, there's, so, so like we need people that can create space, can lead, obviously can get people to spend money, right. We have to create, you have to create the room for the engagement to happen. And then you have to have people that can see the potential and design the solution, the stereogram thing that you just talked about. Yeah. And then there's people that, that have to have the ability underneath that to be able to structure an outcomes based engagement and align the team to execute against it. They have to be able to keep noise out of the system. They have to be able to, when, when things get disrupted, not react and, you know, put together really structured plans to make sure that, um, that, that, that noise, um, is, is contained and managed. And then you need a bunch of people that know how to do, uh, skills transfer stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, and they're all different. And so, you know, as we start to think, as we're, as we're, we're getting ready to go through another growth spurt, you know, you start to think through, um, you know, what are your hiring profiles? If you have, if you're hiring very senior people and putting them at the kind of the top of that stack, then you're looking for this wide swath of stuff. The stuff we've just mentioned, plus like IQ and EQ kinds of things, right? We've started to measure for some of that kind of stuff as well, right? How, how quickly can you problem solve? How, how well can you read a room? How well can you, um, have empathy for the people around you? And so if you're hiring somebody who's at the top of that stack, they need to be fairly fully formed coming in the door. And then what's interesting is that we've started hiring some junior people to kind of help on some of our engagements with some deliverables and things like that. And what we're finding is that you can find kids in college or kids right out of college that have like the base tendencies yeah. um, that, you know, that, you know, you can build on. 
and then um, and then over time, right, put them in a structured environment to learn the skills that you need them to learn. And then we've got some folks in the middle that are that are kind of a mix, right? Some folks that have some of the stuff we need, and it's just a matter of getting some additional experience. And then there's some stuff in. Uh, you know, where maybe you don't have some of that stuff we need. And they've been great coaches for us in certain contexts, but to be able to advance, you know, they're going to have to learn some of those other things. Yeah. Okay. And if they can't learn them, then, then that's fine. We still need people to do that, but I'm not going to put you in a situation to fail on an engagement. Yeah. If, if you can't create hold space, keep noise out of the system, right. All those kinds of things, right. That are so, much softer. Yeah. So for people who are working in this space, it's not that jobs like co- traditional cho- agile coaching jobs. Yeah. They're not going away, but it sounds like the spectrum is extending quite a bit. And I'm wondering if you think that 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 is related to the business world's either understanding of what Agile is supposed to do for them or is it the, the transformation well, company's yeah. understanding of Agile? Like how, what is causing this change? Yeah, so, so, so what's happened is a couple of things, right? So most people have been through some sort of agile. We were just talking about this before we started recording that, you know, people showing up in your class, like it's, it's hard. It's like people don't, it's not that people have no agile experience anymore. A lot of times they kind of, kind of messed up agile experience where they've got, they're using <laughs> they need scrum. agile recovery. Yeah. They're using <laughs> scrum in a context where scrum's just never going to work. Right. And so, so what I think we're seeing is a couple things, right? The need for business agility is going up. And so the nature of the people asking for help is higher up the stack. Um, I think we're starting to learn as an organization, this kind of ties back into the transformation talk, that just teaching people practices or cultural values and things like that is insufficient, right? We've got a business architecture problem. Um, and if we've got a business architecture and a governance problem, then the amount of acumen and experience and influence and gravitas and all those kinds of things um, becomes greater, because now you're not teaching somebody how to break down a user story. You're influencing a leader to put themselves at risk organizationally to take a chance on doing a change that may or may not be successful for them personally. So is this right? still a, agile or is it something problem. else? Well, well, so there I was, I was going to go down that path a little bit, right? I think what we're, I think if I could think of like the disciplines that are bringing to bear, right? So there is, there is agile and agile coaching and there's change management and all the necessary things around managing change in large organizations. There's definitely the business architecture aspect of it that's, that's starting to become very front and center. But then there's like an aspect of, you know, what I would just call just management consulting, right? Being able to, being able to walk into an organization, help that organization develop a strong point of view and create a roadmap for being able to actually do it. And so, so again, I think that the blend that's starting to happen is this real, this, are we doing consulting or are we doing coaching? Are we doing front of the room? Are we doing back of the room? Right. And, and I think, uh, agile coaching has historically been back of the room. And I think some of the stuff that we're doing now is much more front of the room. It's much more centered and it's, and it's, like I said, it's a higher level and the stakes are higher. And so, so getting back to, to kind of the, the thing that we were talking about, it's like, you have to have, you have to have the, the why part of the story, right? You have to be super clear on, on why you're transforming. What are the economics of the transformation? What is the value justification of the transformation? And then you have to have a hypothesis around 
the kinds of changes that need to be made. Like, what are we going to seek to impact? And what is our hypothesis on how impacting those things is actually going to uh, create the outcomes, right, to deliver the why that we signed up for? And then there's a lot around how you actually do it. Like, so what are the aspects of change management? How do we do results management? How do we make sure that, that we are indeed in a measurable way being able to close that gap? And then, you know, from with us, because we're a consultancy, but I would suggest even for a company going through an internal transformation, making sure that you have the right people operating at the right parts of the organization with really consistent messaging to be able to, um, to actually be able to, to go and do the work that needs to be done. So, so it's, it's just fascinating, right? Yeah. So if somebody's trying to like build up their, I don't know, their background or whatever, I mean, is this change management that we need to be studying now? Well, or is it, is it, is it so much bigger? I mean, there's so many yeah. different things that you're talking about. If, if I'm trying to like be like, okay, where's the missing yeah. piece? Well, so, so what we're, what we're doing internally, right. It's like, it's funny. It always comes back to food or running or exercise or something. I didn't bring it up though this time. No, I know it's me. It's totally me. Right. (laughs) So, so the, you know, the metaphor that I've been, I've been kind of using with, with our, our people internally is it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost like if you're cooking soup, right. Um, you, there's things that you put in, the the pot to get certain flavor profiles depending upon the audience that you're that you're trying to entertain or right sure. trying to feed. and and so as we've thought about like different capability bands of our consultants you know i i think there are things right so there's there's different things that i would expect different people to know different experiences that i would like them to have um, different emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence and behavior profiles, different problem solving attributes, right? And so what we're moving down the path of is being able to create very intentional learning paths for people. And then as they, they learn and demonstrate knowledge and the ability to apply knowledge, give them ever increasing responsibility in the organization, uh, and in our clients' organizations, so that we can start to to develop some of this. Um, if to answer your question directly, for maybe somebody who's like listening in on the podcast, yeah. is yeah, so absolutely right. At teaching people agile skills, I believe is insufficient. Um, you know, I talk all the time about teams, backlogs, working tests, and software, right? It's scale that structure, governance, and metrics. And so being able to develop a point of view around how you would create encapsulated teams, um, you know, organization wide, um, where dependencies exist, how would you create coordinating entities to be able to, uh, manage those dependencies, um, as you create strategies for beginning to break dependencies over time, how do you begin to deprecate those controls? Now we start to get into more of a change management aspect. Okay. So agile plus business architecture plus governance, right? Plus metrics and tools plus, Design thinking, lean startup, emotional intelligence, all yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. big ass yeah. soup. Well, yeah, and then <laughs> and then having like the management consulting chops or the gravitas or the influence, yeah, you know, to be able to go in and actually make some of these changes. Right. Now, do you expect that it's these people right? are going to end up more specialized, or is it like they're supposed to have everyone's supposed to have all this stuff? Because this no. is a much broader thing than just an agile coach. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. And so I, I think, you know, the way that we're kind of hiring it is that is that at the top level, you've got executives that have navigated the politics of organization that understand and can align with the fundamentals of organizational design and governance. And, sh- and they've felt the impact of dependencies over time. And so I think you'll have one layer of people that are that are more adept at doing that kind of organizational navigation. And then, um, then once the space is created and the, the vision is established, then I think you'll have people that can operate within that and can, and can understand, okay, we're trying to get to a state of predictability. Here's the 10 intermediate outcomes that need to be able to achieve. Uh, here's the activities that need to to take place in order to be able to, um, achieve those outcomes. And then we're going to measure as we go to make sure that the activities are rolling to the outcomes or tracking to the base camp kind of a thing. And so, and so I think there's three to four, maybe even five like distinct focus areas um, that you can hire for. And, you know, your unicorns are going to be the people that, you know, can, can grok all four or five of of them and can, you know, five tool players. Yeah. Um, but then, but then a lot of it is, is just making sure that you've got the people in the right seats on the bus and their expectations are clear and they understand what it is they're doing. Um, uh, you know, so again, right. So it's, it's funny that you chose to focus on this part for our conversation, because for me, that really is the, uh, maybe the biggest thing that I'm adding to the talk this year. Um, the other thing that's right behind it that we talked a little bit about is this notional idea of outcomes based planning. And like somehow we've gotten the idea, you know, like we're really, we seem to be okay in the agile community, unless you're doing lean startup or maybe no op or no estimates or something like that. Um, we seem to be okay with the idea that it's okay to create a release plan and it's okay to build some user stories in the backlog and it's okay to do sprint planning, right? That doesn't seem like too much waste depending upon the context. And so what we're really, kind of doing is, you know, really getting very clear on what is the unit of value of a transformation. And so I've been talking for a while that that unit of value is an expedition moving to a base camp, but that's too big a chunk. You know, what does the organization need to look like in two weeks or four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or, you know, 10 weeks or 12 weeks, right? Um, And how do you measure that progress? What's the velocity of change? within the enterprise yeah. um, because we, we don't have a, a well understood metaphor in the industry right now for, for how change and progress gets measured. We're using proxy indicators, like how many people have been through training and how many, you know, we say teams have been formed, but are they really well-formed teams? Um, you know, what teams are running, what ceremonies, what teams are, you know, what, what scrum, what teams have scrum master support, what teams have product owners? Um, all those things are vanity metrics. Um, they make us, they give us the illusion that we're moving towards agility, but they don't, they don't guarantee that we're moving towards agility, you know? And so, you know, just the thing that I just, I I can't see past and, and, and I, and I do believe I'm right on this one is that it's, it's nearly impossible to have actual agility unless you've got small teams with few dependencies. Your other option is a more of a Kanban based approach where you absolutely have small batches running through. But I think if you could do small batches running across teams rather, but I think if you can create small teams that have autonomy and then you're managing value streams across those teams. Yeah. That's the kicker, right? That's what we've got to get to. And we've got to stop telling people that if we just teach you Scrum, you'll be fine. Right? No sense, right? You're CST. Yeah. But we can't tell people that if you just teach you Scrum, they're going to self-organize all this change. 
Yeah, um, no, I think yeah. that the teaching them Scrum is just one tiny little piece. I wanted to ask you something about the vanity metrics, though. Yeah. So those things might point at different stuff, and they don't indicate whether or not you've achieved any state of Agile. And even if you had, to what end? Like, it doesn't yeah. really matter if you're Agile or not. But yeah. do you think it's possible? Like, you, we, you've talked about the, the book you went through when you were preparing to run a marathon that told yeah. you, like, all the steps. Yeah. Could we map out all the bad decisions that people are going to make like oh and this is the week oh, yeah. that you're going to start focusing on which oh, team yeah. has more points than another team yeah i mean i mean we we largely we largely have i've probably taken it more from a different angle of like you know making i've taken it more from the positive angle not so much when your toenails are going to fall off but when you need right. to start doing different things in your training with nutrition and and you know yeah. and hydration and stuff i mean like you that. can do that yeah. with transformation absolutely absolutely you can Absolutely. Okay. You can. And, and, and again, it, it's, it's a, it's a mindset amongst the agile community right now. Um, cause we've been kind of selling this teach people scrum and things will self-organize their way out. And what you end up with is a lot of people that are doing great scrum, but not achieving business agility. Yeah. Um, and safe has fallen into the same track. It's like, there's a lot of goodness in the safe, um, reference architecture, even in the safe reference implementation. But there's a lot of people that are going through the motions of doing safe and they're doing great safe. And they might even see some incremental improvement, but they're not really delivering with agility. There's some that are right. I'm not, not discounting it, but there's but there's a lot that aren't. And 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 almost every single time where there's there's not something, it's an encapsulation orchestration problem. OK, so um, what I'm trying to do in the, this next rev of the talk is is basically be able to lay down a end-to-end -end operational model that starts with the business problem, how we're going to approach solving it, what are the underlying theories and models that we need, um, what's the fundamental reference architecture, what's the fundamental kind of reference implementation, how do we do change management, how do we do results management, and then finally, you know, what are the people and roles that are needed, people attributes and roles that are needed to actually execute this stuff on different levels. And you, you still have yeah. to keep this broad enough that it's not like one size fits all because you've well, got all different types of industries and things to deal with. Well, absolutely. Well, so so I, I think the stuff that I'm talking about is generally applicable. What my challenge is, is that the story is so wide yeah. that it's, that it's not, it's not actionable enough. You know, like there's whole talks that are dedicated to, you know, how do you break down user stories? How do you engage customers? How do you, you know, and, and that's just like a little itty bitty knit of this big picture thing that I'm, that I'm trying to talk about. And so what I thought that I would do this year is, is try to, you know, do the talk and then, um, you know, for anybody who's also has been paying attention, we're doing a lot with video and live streaming and things like that. So we'll live stream the talk and then we'll, we'll post it and then we'll have, um, the deck up on the website. And then there's like a white paper that you can go download it that will take it to the next level of granularity and provide some written context around it because it's just a lot. I mean, you know, you've known me for a long time. It's yeah. like, I used to, I used to love to write. I'm having a really hard time writing now because, That's because your thing is so big, it's so big. Right. And so like, <laughs> where do you drop people into the story? Yeah. Well, you know? so, so that to me yeah. is where stuff like the user stories and all that, yeah. It is, it's an entry point maybe yeah. you know, for some well, folks. Well, yeah. Right. And, and in the right context, all of that stuff is absolutely fine. But you know, my, my beef that, that I've had for a long time is like when, you know, people learn that stuff and they go and they get back to their, their company and they can't do it. 
Yeah. You know, um, you know, this is, this is a little fun aside here, but I mean, you know this very well, but my 16 year old son was in your, was in your scrum master training last weekend. So, uh, I, you know, it's summertime and you know, Hey, you know, who gets to sit around and, you know, hang out on the couch, get off your ass and go to class, right? Go to scrum master training. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, the joke I put up on Facebook is, Hey, my 16 year old kid just, um, got his CSM, you know, anybody have any enterprise transformation work for him kind of a deal, you know? And I was being a little snarky. Right. But but the challenge, you know, the challenge is, is that um, the stuff, the practice stuff, let me not pick on Scrum, but like the practices stuff that we're learning is is necessary, but it's insufficient. Yes. Okay. it's necessary, but it's insufficient. And what I'm beating the drum around, as always, is is what is the stuff around the practices what is the organizational ecosystem that we have to build in order to be able to make this stuff really work? Do you think that people that, that people totally get I get, get that? I mean, I wonder if you're, you're focused on problems that I think a lot of times people don't always see right away. Yeah. Because they're like, I can't write a user story. And you're like, no, it's about your encapsulation. Like, what, yeah. what does encapsulation yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> well, well, so like, this is the thing, right? So we, we get, we've in, in the past, I've gotten a lot of these phone calls. Hey, we're having a really, we're having a big problem solving our backlog or getting a backlog built. Yeah. And I go, Oh, that's interesting. Well, tell me why. Well, our product owner, you know, doesn't seem to know how to write user stories. Well, tell me like what your product owner is. Well, a product owner is like a business analyst. I'm like, well, where's the product owner getting their requirements from? Well, they get their requirements from six different product managers that are all competing with each other for the capacity of the team. Okay. And then you go, Oh, well really that's interesting. So talk to me a little bit about your product lines. Talk to me a little bit about your organizational architecture. Talk to me a little bit about this. And very seldomly, like the problem manifests itself as I can't write user stories. Yeah, but 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 it almost it's not the actual goes, problem. It's, it's not the problem, right? right? It's not the problem. I mean, writing user stories and, and, and again, not minimizing this, there is an, an a skill and an art to, you know, kind of finding the cracks in a, in a set of features to break them down small enough. That's non-trivial, right. but it's made almost impossible if if the amount of demand on the team is is overwhelming or yeah. the team can't establish a stable velocity because it has external dependencies how far forward do you go yeah. what if what if they're trying to write user stories for teams that aren't formed in an encapsulated way what you end up with is you end up writing stories as technical tasks a lot of times yep. or you write them so big and so vague that the team then turns around and writes them as technical tasks Okay, so 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 much of this bad behavior and so much of this inability to do these relatively simple and straightforward things is because we haven't put people in the right context to really fundamentally leverage the practices. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Right. And so and it doesn't take it's kind of like a five wise thing. I mean, you get five whys behind. I can't write a user story and you find out you have an organizational architecture governance problem. Not always. Yeah, and then they just want to go back to talking about user stories because that's easier. <laughs> well, yeah, right. And so that gets into a whole other line of of thinking around, you know, local optimization and you know, span of control kinds of things. And and yeah, right. You've got a lot of people. They don't know how to influence the system that they're in. Yeah. 
And so what they end up doing is um, they end up just doing the best they can with what they have, right? Because that's the only thing they can do, and that's their job. Um, it's, It's very common for us to walk into organizations that have existing coaching teams, either internal or external, and the coaches are just like sitting there going, we can see all the problems. We have no influence to be able to change them. Yeah. Okay. So do you, do, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, please. Do you think um, this is just a question for you personally, like in your head, is yeah. it still the company's called leading agile? Yeah. Is it still about agile or is it gone way past that? Because it seems to me like it's grown beyond the bounds well, of that a little bit. Well, so leading business architecture doesn't have a really good rank. <laughs> <to it. laughs> um, you know, leading change management, you know, it's a yeah, not quite as sexy. Um, you know, man, I don't know. Right. So, so I, I you know, I've been. Does it even this. matter? Well, and, well, again, I, I don't know, right? I don't have the answer to it, right? So it's very much a sense and a respond kind of a thing. Okay. Um, you know, as we've always approached the market, it's like there's still a lot of demand in the industry. People want to do agile. They they get the idea of agility. And and so a lot of the, the entry point is still I want to be able to do scrum. I want to be able to do scaled agile. I want to be able to do safe, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And so um, – you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is just, and that's a big part of the reason why we haven't tied ourselves so tightly to safe or Kanban or Scrum or anything like that is because we want the freedom to, to move through the industry and solve the problems as we see fit. Okay. The, to get to your point, it's like whether the name's becoming a misnomer now or not, you know, there's risk that maybe we don't get to solve the kinds of problems that we want to solve because we have Agile in our name. Or maybe people won't call us because they've tried Agile and failed with it and are looking at something else. Yeah. You know, so so I think there's some there's some risk that the But word... what else would they be looking at? I mean, they're going to look at Waterfall again? Well, well, yeah, right. So, you know, it's, so it's a little bit like, you know, it's just like things that come full circle. I remember, um, I don't think it was, was it Bob Martin's company is object mentor, you know? So back in the days when he called that company object mentor, you know, people were just learning about object oriented programming. Right. Now it's just like, it's kind of the way you write programs for the most part. And I, yeah. and I know there's functional programming and stuff like that is still out there, but like objects aren't a new thing anymore. Right. Okay. But right. I bet you Bob Martin's out there teaching people a lot of things besides just how to do objects. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I think we're going to fall into that too, right? So I don't think the ideas of teams, backlogs, working tests of software, I don't think encapsulation and orchestration, I don't think change management, I don't think the fundamental things that we're working on are ever going to go away. They just get repackaged periodically. I well, mean, and there's now, a long tail on this too. I mean, there's, there's still yeah. so many companies yeah. that are just getting into the pool. Yeah. And, you know, and what's really interesting is that there's there's different entry points at this point. So, you know, business architecture is an entry point. You know, there's a lot of people that are that are really getting into DevOps and CICD. And, you know, there's a and when the conversation starts on that, it, it's not hard to pull it back to, OK, these are the things that you need to establish to make yeah. that work effectively. And when you do that, it all ends up going back to the same core. Yeah. And and that's the thing that I think is interesting about us, my perspective, this talk, right? What we're trying to do as a company, is that it's not about um, it's 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 not about the methodology as it is about like the really core fundamentals. Yeah. And I, and I think the core fundamentals, I don't think they change as often. Yeah. You know, um, how you package them up is often different from even client to client. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting, right? So I've got to figure out how to tell that story in an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so where are people going to be able to see you tell this story, Mike? 
Well, so the, 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 this first rev kind of what my pattern has been for the last couple of years is I try to create new content for the, the big agile conference. So, so this content and it's associated white paper is going to come out at agile 2018. And then, um, you know, then we'll submit to various regional conferences over time. And, you know, we like to support local communities. There's a, you know, we've been, um, you know, we've shown up in Denver and Austin and I've been out to Arizona and up to Detroit, been to Virginia, up to the Carolinas, obviously here in Atlanta, been down to Florida, right? Just depends on, on who feels like selecting my talk for their, for their session, but I'll be running this talk out. And then, you know, we've been doing a real good job. We've got a full blown marketing team at this point. So like I said, we've been doing a really good job. If you hit our Facebook page, um, typically you can get a live stream. We've been having some technology problems, some Wi-Fi problems in some of the venues and we're figuring out how to work through that. Um, but they always get recorded. They always get posted. And so what we're starting to see is a lot of iterations of me speaking, and, and hopefully some and, live stuff, live QA stuff soon too, right? Yeah. So, so you heard about that. We're, so we're going to be playing with that a little bit um, over the next few months. I actually offered to to Tim because I haven't been, he's our VP of marketing, haven't been able to actually sit down and write content for him. I actually said, well, why don't we start gathering up some questions through our social channels and we'll do some live Q&A maybe once a week or something like that until we can figure out what the right cadence is. Cool. And, and, you know, I think that will be fun because, you know, it's so hard to have, you know, when you're, when you're up in front of a stage, you've got, you're giving all the breadth, but none of the depth. And then a lot of times when you write a blog post or, or some other piece, you might be going into a sliver of it, but you don't have a lot of context. Yeah. So the cool thing about like a live Q and A is that you can bounce between um, breadth and depth and giving context and detail at the same time. And so, so we'll see, right. We'll see that. And then the marketing team is really good at taking those kinds of conversations and then turning them into derivative content that we can post through other channels and and get it out there in front of people. Cool. But the first yeah. place they're going to see it is at Agile 2018, as far that as is we know. Plan. Yeah, All that's right. the plan. And that's August 6th through 10th in San Diego. You can go to agilealliance.org to find out about that. Yep. Um, all right, before I get to the weird question, what if they want to yep. reach you? What's the best way for them to do that? Um, Mike at leadingagile.com. Pretty easy. You can find me on LinkedIn. A lot of people seem to hit me up that direction. Um, Twitter's not a great thing for me. I don't, I don't hit Twitter a lot, uh, at M Kottmeyer, if you choose to do that. Um, you could always do a contact us on, on the blog page and happy to get on the phone and and chit chat with anybody. Yeah. Or send us your questions for the, for the Q and A. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That would be awesome. All right. I got three fast questions. (laughs) Yes. I'll put all that up there too. All right. Three fast summer related questions for you. Okay, cool. So don't think, just talk. Yep. Summer drink. Oh gosh, I, a margarita immediately comes to mind. So okay. I'll just go Anything with that. Anything special yeah. about your margarita? Any special ingredients? So, so I tend to like really top shelf Angeo. I'm probably even pronouncing that wrong. Tequila, okay. um, lime juice, Grand Marnier, crushed ice. If I'm drinking it on the rocks, uh, or I've got a couple of good places around that do good frozen margaritas. I'm not a big fan of a like an ice and liquor blended, like a like a blender margarita. Those right. are not my. He's come out of a slurping machine. Yeah, yeah. if it's going to be not great. Yeah, for you sure. You like a little salt on yeah. that, or are you good without the salt? Um, I'm good. I'm, I can go either way, but but left if if asked, I will I will always go for salt for sure. All right. Okay. Yeah. Summer album or what do they call it now? I don't know. Record, whatever they call it. What are you listening to? Ooh, I am going to have to think about this one a little bit. What have I been listening to? Um, shoot, it should be on the tip of my tongue. It's so it's not collective soul. I'm actually am trying to branch out. Um, I already kind of told you guys I went through my Oasis phase. Oh, I know what I'll tell you. So this isn't this isn't new by any means, and is but I'm like a huge Zach Brown fan, local Georgia guy. Okay. Um, 
And, and what I like about Zach Brown is that he's like, he's like, he's like country, but that's not what I like about him. But he's like, he's like, he does his own thing. Right. So he's like a mix of, you know, he did a album with Dave Grohl and he does kind of beach country. And then he does some really good, just straight ahead country. And so not much of a country guy, but I'm a real big Zach Brown guy. And the reason why he comes to mind is because when, when I'm out on the lake, dropping the boat, um, that he tends to be the guy that I go to for, okay. for, for lake music. But so, you're drinking yeah. on the lake music. All right. Drinking margaritas on the lake. <laughs> Which you would Brown, never do because you Wait, have to be I, I, responsible when you're operating the boat, yeah. Mike. <laughs> yeah. All right. oh, okay, of course. Got it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, never do that. Summer book. What are you reading? Um, so, so I've been kind of working across a couple of different books right now. Probably the thing that's probably most worth talking about here is I kind of caught up on the whole Freakonomics series. series. Okay. Lately, and so I, like I had read Freakonomics back in the day. A couple months ago, I read Super Freakonomics. There's like another book they have called like When to Rob a Bank that I just finished. And and what I like about that is whether whether you agree with their economic theories or not, or whether you think their analysis is crap or not. <clears throat> what I what I think is fascinating about those books is I think they they encourage you to look at data from different angles and not just draw the obvious conclusions. All and right. I think that's powerful. So for those of you who need some light beach reading. <clears throat> oh, they actually really are light beach reading. They, they really are. I mean, they're really okay. short, pithy stories, very funny, lots of sense of humor. Um, it's like reading like Malcolm Gladwell, okay. or something, right? Where it's like, it's very interesting, gets you thinking or Seth Godin, yeah. but it's not like, it's not like deep and technical. It's not like a book on economics, but it does like inject a lot Stir of Stir the mind. Yeah. No, those are like perfect. Those are perfect books for me because it's like, yeah, just things that get you thinking sideways. And you can kind of dive in and out whenever you got time to. Yeah, exactly. It Right. They don't, they don't wrap you into the story. Yeah. So much. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks. And congratulations on your newest scrum master in your family. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Very cool. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so, so if anybody has any enterprise transformation jobs for the 16-year-old kid, he's got a CSM. <laughs> Just reach out to me and I'll get you his resume. Awesome. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. This was great. You got it. Talk to you later. See ya.